This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Invest Talk. It is August 7th. August 7th, 2018. Okay, summer is coming to an end. Now, for some of you, you probably think that's not a good idea. For me, I'm looking forward to it coming to an end because it's too hot. But it depends on where you live. It, we, see, it never gets really cold here. So, so you know, for me, winter is fine. I, I've, lived, I've lived in the Northeast, so I know what winter can be like there. And I, I, if I lived there, I would not want summer to come to an end either. But don't be discouraged. Labor Day is almost four weeks away. There's still time to visit with your friends, fit in a weekend getaway, take stock of your objectives, which might be the most important part, take stock of your objectives. And that's what we're here to help you with on Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and Justin and I do our very best to make every hour you spend with us a transformative chapter in your ongoing investment strategy, education. Now, our objective is always the same. It's always the same. To make your, to make you get to your financial goals, whatever they are. And I like sitting down here on a vest at the microphone each afternoon. I, I do really enjoy it. So, I also enjoy the challenge of answering your questions, and that's why I like sitting down here. And I make every effort to do so in an open and honest way. Some people apparently don't like that because I've had some pushback every so often that to tell me that, you know, I hope you don't expect me to always be right because no one, just and I, are never always right. But we do have opinions, and we don't mind stating them. And we state them openly and honestly. And we would love to have you ask us a question, and we'll give you our opinion here on Invest Talk. The phones are always open, 888-99-CHART. There's certainly plenty of interesting financial investment news today. I'll review, uh, I'll preview my talking points in a couple of minutes. One topic I will feature today is about an activity we all do. We eat. Yes, eating is something we must do. We all have to, right? Some of us really like it. I kind of enjoy it myself. But I want to talk about how the food gets packaged, delivered, the new methods of you eating, how the f- food channel is working the, to, to you, the consumer, and how those investing startups that specialize in that new food channel, what they're doing. How successful are they? And I can tell you right off the bat, they're all struggling. They're all struggling. But first, let's prove that your contributions help shape the program. Here's a call that came in earlier on our 24-hour listener line, 888-99-CHART. Hi, gents. This is Junior in Indiana. My question is about Japanese candlesticking. I've heard Justin mention them once or twice over the months, and see you have a book in your KPP library, which, which I haven't yet read. Do you guys use them to confirm analysis of a given stock, or are they more in the realm of entertainment and shouldn't be taken too seriously? How do you come out on studying them to make real decisions? Hey, thanks a lot for the great show, and have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, candlestick is a type of chart. 
and it's a Japanese chart. It's called a candlestick. And what it is, it, it by looking at the day's movement of a chart through a candlestick, you can see the open, the high, low, close of the day in a candlestick. And charting in general, I've said this many times, charting in general is not a science. It's not. What happens is, is charting tends to come true. The things that you can study about a chart tend to repeat themselves, and therefore you can use charting, use charting to try to sharpen your buy and sell points or to determine what, what the stock has been doing and try to project that it will continue or not continue to do what it's been doing. But it's not anything you can rely on. You know what you can rely on is the fundamentals of the company. Those are hard, cold facts and you can rely on. And then, those, but you can't rely on those same facts to be projected in the future. You can only tend to do the repeat in the future. But, but that's what charting is. And we do have, there's a big, there's, you know, char, there's books on charting of all kinds that are out there for you to study. So we do like using charting. Uh, we like it to confirm uh, where to buy or sell or give us a little hint as to where we think the stock will go. And that's why you hear me saying, talk about double tops and double bottoms and, you know, different kinds of uh, signals that the chart has given us to help uh, to help with our decisions. Now, do not think charting is going to make you rich. I know there's there's classes out there that you can take and pay for and they tell you that you can buy low and sell high. It's not that simple. It never is, so don't do don't think in those terms. Okay, so everybody needs to eat. We all know that. Okay? So there's a story on CNN.com uh, about this, about shopping for food, carting at home, getting it ready. You know how much time consuming that is, right? So maybe, you know, there's all these new systems that, are, that try to deliver food in a faster, easier way. So the idea was initially to make going to the supermarket obsolete. But it's turning out just the opposite. Companies that make meal prep kits are fast discovering that they need to partner up with a grocery chain just to survive. Okay, early leaders like you know Blue Apron and Plated. Do you remember those? Blue Apron quickly declined as competitors and grocery stores replicated the service. You know, remember the store can do what they do. So shares of Blue Apron have fallen 75% since it went public last year. So, you know, and what if Amazon gets involved? They've been dabbling in it, meal kits. What if they get involved? They tend to uh, disrupt an entire marketplace. That's just, you know, that's what they do. So, Sheft, have you heard that one? A meal kit startup that tried partnering with uh, recognizable names like Atkins and Campbell Soup shut its home delivery service down in mid-July. So milk kit brands that are primed to survive are the ones that married off such as Home Chef, which recently sold to Kroger, Plated, which was purchased by Albertsons, and Gobble, 
which reportedly is partnering up with America's number one grocery chain, Walmart. So you're seeing these different food meal kits and delivery systems partnering up with bigger, bigger competitors because they have to. The cost of logistics are, are overwhelming to get the groceries, to deliver it. It's overwhelming. So that's, that's where it's going. These food places and deliveries and milk kits, you might be able to be able to buy them in the store someday. Just buy them there when you're there. Just pick up this kit. That's Monday's dinner or Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, buy four or five for the week. I can see that coming in some parts of the store. So whether you are a meal kit consumer or investor in this area, keep in mind it's, it's an immature and still shifting business model. And no one knows how successful it's going to be if it is going to be successful. Okay, Amazon sells a selection of kits on its website. Okay, uh, Walmart is selling one-step meals in 2,000 of its U.S. stores. So the segment is still in the mode of expanding its user base and figuring out how profits can be made. And we're not there yet. So don't, don't, don't be jumping into this space. Now, if you've got investment questions, whether they whether stock or sector specific, or perhaps desire to get help determining your best overall strategy, Justin and I encourage you to get in touch with us. Your calls are always welcome to our Dana Point office. We can set up a Skype connection if you like, or you could just get us a message through our investtalk.com, send me an email. Be happy to get in touch with you. Okay? So, give us a call. 888-99-CHART. The lines are uh, open. 888-992-4278. As we head into the short break, I want to say hello to our friends and Invest Talk listeners in Northern California. Uh, We'll be returning to San Jose August 29th and booking opportunities to meet with me Take a look at your portfolio. So, time to register on investtalk.com. And now the phone lines are open. They really are 888-99-CHART. It's a Tuesday Invest Talk. The weather is heating up, and you've got your share of market and investment questions. Steve's here. He's waiting for your calls, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. What's our featured talking point today? Is the next recession on its way? Sure, we're the second longest. We're in the second longest expansion, uh, economic expansion in U.S. history, and always a recession will follow expansion sometime. But when? So we're going to look at that. No one really knows when, but we're going to look at that. Seven reasons why you need to lighten up on stock today. I have two articles. One's a, one saying that time to lighten up on stocks, and the other one says the bull market is stocks gets a new lease on life. Kind of, can both of these statements be true? And the answer is yes. But they're both that's both diametrically opposed to each other. But both statements can be true. So we're going to explore that today. And you know, earnings seasons is coming to a close. I think like eighty something percent of all companies are reported. Do you know how the season went? 
how well or bad or how relatively good or bad it, from a year ago. Uh, and do you know what sectors did best? I got that information. So those are going to be talking points. I also wanted to talk about uh, Warren Buffett a little bit, but if we can get to it, we'll do that. Let's go to Santos in Boston. How you doing, Pat Santos? Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Sure. So uh, I have a question about uh, option prices, option like calls or put option. Uh, so I want to know, like, how does the price of an option call affect uh, during the dividend pay? Okay. Say, repeat that again, because you faded in and out. Yeah, during a dividend pay, uh, I want to know how does an yeah. option gets affected, like uh, option call or uh, option put. Well, you know when a dividend is paid, that the stock that, that you're optioning, the stock you're optioning will go down the exact amount, the down in price, the exact amount of that dividend. So when the goes X dividend, the stock price will go down so that changes that doesn't change your option at all but it changes whether you're in out of the money out of the money or how far you're out or in the money depending on what kind of option you have so just remember that the stock price will go down the exact amount of the of the dividend so if it's a 50 cent dividend the stock price will go down 50 cents on the x dividend date the date that the option is paid and that's the only effect it has on the option well, actually, it has no effects on the option. The only effect it has is the stock price itself. And, of course, that affects your option. Thanks for the call, Santos. I appreciate it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And you may have noticed that we get plenty of stock-specific questions on the program each day. And that's fine. But Justin and I can also help promote your understanding of various investment definitions, terms, explain market processes. So... Give us your questions, any questions, all questions, all of their financial, 888-99-CHART. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Steve is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. So is the next recession on its way? And the answer is, of course. Every time we have a recession, a recovery is on its way. Every time we have a recovery, a recession is on its way. It's a, it's a cycle. It's the normal economic cycle. I don't understand why some people, you know, some politicians even, don't get it that it's a cycle. It has always been a cycle and it will always continue to be a cycle. So yes, the next recession is on its way. How long it's going to take to get here? Well, I think it's been postponed by the tax cuts you know that, that the government put in place. I think that's pushed it back a bit, and that's made the economy, you know, spurt up again a bit. Which, of course, it what GDP in the second quarter here was 4.1 percent at an annual rate. So, and unemployment down back to 3.9 percent. So, I think that could be probably pointed at as the tax cuts. And I mentioned on this show the little little cracks we're seeing, and specifically in housing, that you know is starting to show up. That could be, you know, this first just 
tentative hints. Okay, tentative hints. Remember, we're in the second longest economic expansion. And if most experts are right, and they're calling for a recession like 2020 or beyond, then this will be the longest economic expansion expansion uh, in history that, here in the United States. So that's very, very possible. But what are the worries about a recession? What are the worries that could cause recession? And I have been sharing them with you. One is debt, all kinds of debt, government debt especially. How much debt are we in? And it's, it, it's big, it's huge, and no one's paying attention to it at all. Eventually, someone, we will, eventually everybody will be paying attention to it, just not today. So that's a problem. And the other thing that there's something, the one thing that everybody has been paying attention to today, of course, is trade, right? Trade. Well, are we going to be in a trade war? And I've told you before, I don't think we actually will be in an all-out war, trade war. We're in disputes. I think that at some point, you're going to see some of them fall by the wayside. And because of that, what if, what if next year... We have an agreement with NAFTA or the end of this year and into next year. What if we have an agreement with the EU and what if China and, and Trump see eye to eye sometime late next year? Whatever timing it is, the market's going to like it. And that might push back a recession. If that doesn't happen, the market's not going to like it because it's going to affect earnings. It's going to affect the economy. It's not going to affect our economy nearly as much as affect their economy, but it will affect us a bit. So what should you care? What you should do? What, what, what? All you really should do as investors out there is just recognize that there are cycles. And at some point, you may want to avoid some of the damage in the cycle. So how do you do that? When do you do that? Well, you start to think about it now, way in advance, because... The market will fall before you know we're in a recession. So you start thinking about it. How? What are the steps you're going to take? If if ABC happens, what are you going to do? So you have to just prepare. Prepare yourself on what steps you're going to take. And that's about as best you can take. And it do it. And it depends on how aggressive you want to be in being in or out of the market. And that may depend on your personal financial situation. Maybe you're really close to retirement. You don't want to take a hit to your retirement account. Maybe you're in your 30s and you're just going to live through it. You don't care. It depends on your own personal situation. But just know that there's always a recession coming and there's always an expansion following a recession. Best time to invest is in the middle of a recession. Okay. That's the best time. Let's go to Mike in Tampa. How you doing, Mike? Doing good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just wondering, uh, in my portfolio, I have DC stocks right now, and I have, uh, as far as the food sector, I have General Mills and B&G Foods. I was considering adding Tyson, but I'm not sure if it would be a good idea. I was wondering if we could take a look. And also, I noticed its beta is similar to those two other stocks, so I'm thinking it's not really a good idea as a diversified uh, mix. Just wondering what's your thoughts on Tyson? Well, it's a pretty pretty low-priced stock. Tyson Foods, everybody. The symbol is TSN. 
produces beef, chicken, pork related uh, allied products for grocery retailers and wholesalers and meat distributors. They're going to make $5.89 this year. That's the most money they've made. That's the estimate they made in the last 10 years. And next year it's going to be $6.10. And it's a $59 stock. So it's a 10 PE. The five-year range, the lowest has been at nine. The highest is 18. And it's at 10. Turn equity is very good at 20. Uh, and 20 percent and it's a two percent yield and sales growth is happening but it's small it's two to eight percent per quarter it's not a big sales growth so this looks like a pretty good price right where it is uh mike but you're gonna have to be patient uh, i do think the stock is worth closer to 70 to 72 dollars versus the 59.88 it is but it's not going to be an exciting thing it's one of those long-term it's huge cash flow so, yeah, I think you could buy it here, and I think you'd do okay. I think you would do okay. It is lower volatility stock, too. Tomorrow on Talk, the eight dogs of the Dow ended July, po po ended July positive this year. Remember dogs of the Dow strategy? I'll break it down here shortly. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm, I'm, I'm at my desk and ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. Our Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial where Principal Steve Peasley has renewed his limited-time offer of a free portfolio review conducted during in-person appointments in San Jose. The date will be August 29th. You must register and please do so soon at investtalk.com. Do you want to speak with Steve? Got a question? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to uh, Bill in Petaluma. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing, I'm doing fine, Steve, and I appreciate the uh, insights you provide every day. And it's in Thank that you. light I wanted to ask you about a dental supply company that took a big hit today. It, uh, it yeah. goes by the name of Dent Supply Serona. And when I right. kind of looked at it, it... Uh, it's got a new CEO. He's only been on board about six months, and it doesn't pay much of a dividend, but uh, it's the biggest dent dental supply company in the world. I'm wondering what, you, what insights you could provide me. Well, uh, I, I think that I, I do think they had a problem with the pre previous management. I, I would agree with that because they had to take an impairment charge on, on a previous purchase that they bought some other company. Uh, like a billion and a quarter, uh, you know, one billion two hundred fifty million dollars, and right. that really impacted their earnings, and that killed them. You know, it just killed them. 
So that wasn't this CEO's fault, but this CEO fault, CEO had to, you know, adjust the balance sheet because of that bad purchase. Sure. So the question is, is can they pick it up from here? Because it, it hit 19% everybody. This is dental, uh, dense supply Serona develops a broad range of dental supplies, products, including dental consumables, laboratories, specialty products. It's a, it's not, it's a mid-size, almost, a, almost a large cap stock, $8.9 billion in size. So it's big, as you point out, Bill. It is a big company. And it's going to make $2.82 next year. But remember, it's a $39 stock. So even you cannot say it's cheap even after this big drop. And that's, okay. there, therein lies probably the problem. It's much more reasonable price now at $39. But I'm just not so sure it has a lot of upside potential. I see that it was at $66 at the beginning of the year. Right, so and here it is here yeah. at 39. So uh, you would think that maybe it can creep back up there, uh, and I'm thinking um, probably not anytime soon, because the growth rates are not strong enough. It's going to take a long time, Bill. So okay. I, I'm thinking I, I I don't think I would if I would not be a buyer, and if I owned it, I'd wait for a bounce and I'd probably sell it, look for something stronger. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. That's X-ray. X-R-A-Y is the symbol. Let's go to Manu in Fremont. How you doing, Manu? Uh, good, Steve. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a question regarding Apple being used as a tariff barfare tool between China and the U.S. What kind of impact it may have on Apple stock? Hmm. I, I think Apple stock, I, I talked about this, well, was it a week or so ago? And I think the driver for Apple stock in the future is not going to come from their new iPhones or their new, I, I really don't think so. I think, trust me, I think those products will do very well. I'm not saying they're not. I'm talking about the driver. You're talking about what's going to, what effect the certain, no, if the uh, Chinese things. start boycotting the Apple products, right? They are users as well as manufacturers. Yeah, I know. But I don't really think it's going to affect Apple that much. And as I said, a, a driver of the stock price to go, you know, copycats exist. And they're going to fight them all the time, right? I mean, I read some time ago, there is a store open in China an Apple store that's not even an Apple store. <laughs> you know, it's, so, you know, they're, they're going to have this problem all the time. But as China tries to be part of the world trade system, and of course, you know, we got the trade war and all that going on, but still, China's moving toward being a part of the world trade system. It's going to have to get tougher and tougher on these kinds of uh, infringements, copycats, infringements of property rights. Because you know why? Because they're going to want the same thing. They want to have the same courtesy when their products that they're inventing come here or to Europe or wherever. They're going to want the same protections for their companies as we're asking for our companies as they get bigger and bigger and bigger and they start making their own things. So I think that eventually that this will all work out in the long run. It's just going to take years and years and years. Thank you, man. You appreciate the call. 
Appreciate that. James in Sonoma. How you doing, James? Well, we're doing fine today. I um, I was uh, thinking about calling about SAMBX. It's an ETF uh, floating rate fund. And I have bonds. Right. And I've got dividend stocks and all that. Um, and uh, I just was looking for a little something different to put in the IRA. I've been playing with this for years. And I said, well, I'll call him up and ask him about this. What do you think of this type of... Uh, of this type of investment, and, and that one in particular. Okay. This is Vertos, uh, SEIX, floating rate, high high, uh, high uh, dividend bond, high, high yield bond. Okay. So it's done pretty well. I'd have to take a look inside it and see how it's treated. I'm trying to pull it up as we speak here. I'm trying to see what... Uh, what they have inside the uh, SMBX. Oh, come on. I hate the computer sometimes. SAMBX. Okay, uh, I do like the concept, James, of a floating rate bond. It's a four star bond from Morningstar, so that's good. And I, the, their, their, their return is 4.6%, their yield is 4.6% which is pretty darn high. Uh, and the floating rate means that it will probably continue to rise. Okay, continue to rise. Um, and 98% of it, of course, is in the bonds. I'm trying to look at the... Okay, and the bond rating, they, this is high yield, so their bond ratings are kind of on the low side. Okay, Sing, a lot of holdings. or top five holdings... They have three of them is single B quality, and that's pretty low. That means they're junk, James. Junk. That's why they're getting 4.6%. Okay? But being a floating rate bond means that as interest rates rise, the rate will rise. You, when you, this is when you need to worry about it, James. When we move into a recession, these type of junk bonds go have a very high default rate. A very high default rate. And that's when they take a real big hit. They tank in recessions. Okay? Outside the recession, okay, it's going to do about. pretty well. Yeah, it's the recession that you worry about. Okay? Well, okay. What, how would it fare if we call? just don't go into recession? It would just go into a little bit of a, a bear market, so to speak. They'll fare fine in a bear market. It's only in a recession that you have to worry about. That's it. Because, remember, the companies that are issuing these bonds are not very strong. The stock market going down really doesn't affect the strength of those companies. Slowing sales affect the strength of those companies, and that's a recession. So any junk bond fund, whether it's floating rate or fixed rate, doesn't matter. It's the recession that you got to worry about. Okay? Appreciate the call, James. S-A-M-B-X, floating rate fund. You can find a floating rate bond fund that is not junk bonds and in a recession high quality bonds don't have nearly the default rate so you might want to switch to that as the uh, at some point they won't pay 4.62 percent either but they'll pay less but but they'll be a lot more secure let's go to will in san diego how you doing will oh pretty good steve uh, i'd like you to take a look at the rig r-i-g I've held it for a while, okay. and it's gone nowhere, and I'm thinking now is the time to dump it. 
Okay, rig everybody. This is TransOcean. Uh, provides offshore contract drilling for oil and gas wells worldwide. And of course, it actually did okay this year. It's moved sideways for, for since, what, May? May, June, July. It's done nothing. But it, it's actually moved up a little bit. It was like $11.30, Now it's $13 from the beginning of the year. So it had some return. So you didn't get too killed. Uh, you had a little bit of return on it. Um, right. I, I probably I probably leave. I probably sell it because it's not going to make money this year, and estimates for next year are not good either. So they're not going to make money for three years in a row, and I'm I'm just not keen on holding something like this. So I, I go ahead and oh. take the profits if you have profits, and move on. Oh, okay, great. That's what I wanted to hear. Okay. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call. That's Rig, R-I-G, everybody. It's a $6 billion company, but they're not making money, and they're not going to make money, and sales have been shrinking on the recent quarter, this most recent quarter. This, The sales finally grew at 5%, but before that, they were shrinking between 15 and 30 40% per quarter. I mean, come on. That's not good. Here's an email question that came in yesterday from a listener, Dan. I started to track more of the fundamentals, Merck. Coca-Cola, Mercus MCK, Coca-Cola KO, popped up on my radar. The dividend payout ratio for each is 300 plus. This number is comparing earnings per share versus dividend. Is there another value that should be tracked to validate the dividend payout? <coughs> is that not a risk? I own both. So let's just take a look at Coca-Cola and see what numbers I'm coming up with. Now, remember what the payout ratio is? It's how much of earnings they're paying out to you in the form of dividend. And he said it's 300 plus. That means they're paying out three times the amount of, um, three times the amount of earnings in the form of dividend. And, of course, they can do that by borrowing money or issuing new shares. You know, they can do that. But are they doing that? And so let's take a look. They're going to make $2.25 next year per share. Coca-Cola pays a 3.4% dividend. And it's a $46 stock. Well, what's 3 3.4% times 46? I'm just going to give you a rough estimate. Okay. It's about $1.90 or so. Okay. $2. Let's say call it $2 per share. And they're earning $2.25. So the payout ratio is not 300%. I'm not sure where you're getting 300% from. Uh, this year, they're going to make $2.08. So that payout ratio, uh, remember the, the 3.4 of $46, you know, is $1.90 or so, maybe. Let's just call it 2 And they're going to make $2.08 this year. Last year, they actually made $1.91. So that is a little bit, if you're comparing it with last year, it's a little over 100%. This year, it's a little below 100%. Next year, is more below 100%. That's still a high payout ratio, right? We like we like a company not paying out about 60%, 70%, not more than that. So it's still a high payout ratio for Coca-Cola. But it's not 300%. 300% is not sustainable. Not sustainable. Okay? Appreciate the call. That's Coca-Cola. And he also said Merck, and I just didn't have time to look that up. New listeners to Invest Talk may not realize that KPB Financial has been producing this program for more than 20 years. 
And Jess and I are glad to continue making this effort, this investment, because it makes us a reliable go-to source for information for investors. We also know that some of you will recognize that our training experience can be brought to your table to help you maximize earnings and strategy of your own portfolio. I mean, this is this is our advertisement uh, channel. So obviously we want to, to uh, get clients, and it's a win-win situation for everybody, I think. So you can listen for free, get free information. We provide, we as a client, non-client, we provide so much information to our clients. Anything they want, we give them. But if you want us to help you manage your portfolio, you can call our office or go to investtalk.com, send me an email, and call even the live 888-99 number, 888-99-CHART number, and leave a message. But here's a call that came in before. For InvestTalk listeners who missed the opportunity to sit down with Steve in July, there will be a second chance. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th. Space is limited, so please register now at InvestTalk.com. When you meet with Steve, he will offer personalized portfolio guidance. He'll help you determine a strategy to maximize your earnings. Of course, all listeners are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office, or even request a Skype collaboration. But if you live anywhere in Northern California, August 29th is the date you should save to meet in person with Steve. You can learn more now at investtalk.com. And now, the phone lines are open, and we're taking your calls and questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Here's an investment term you should know, malfeasance. Now, of course, that's also a legal term, right? Malfeasance. But malfeasance is an act of outright sabotage in which one party to a contract commits an act that causes intentional damage. A party that incurs damages by malfeasance is entitled settlement through civil lawsuit. Proving malfeasance in a court of law is often difficult, as the true definition is rarely agreed upon. That's some trouble with all legalese. What did they actually mean? What was the intent? What was you know? There's definitions. Trust me, I've been through this many times. So that's what malfeasance is. Got a security question of any kind? Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. It's hard to believe, but this Tuesday Invest Talk program is almost finished. But we still have about 10 minutes left. So let's talk about the financial investing questions you have in, in your mind. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, the eight dogs of the Dow ended July positive this year. This breed of stocks has names we all know, but should you think about trading them? That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, he's ready, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Dan in San Diego. How are you doing, Dan? Pretty good, Steve. I hope you're doing good. Uh, I am. I thank you for the call. CTL. Okay. CenturyLink uh, provides local exchange, long distance network ex, uh, access, broadband services to rural communities in 37 states. 
It's a big cap company, $20 billion, and they had a couple of really great quarters recently. Sales growth in the first quarter of this year, or actually, I would take that back. They still haven't reported the second quarter. So these are the last quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year. The last quarter of last year, they were up 24%. The first quarter, up 41%. So it leads me to believe that maybe they purchased uh, something that got them this great growth. I don't know. I'd have to take a closer look how they got that. But those, that's a huge jump in sales growth. Okay. Yeah, they uh, did a when be, purchase. Uh, they're getting into oh, Ah, well, that's a good because that's where it's all going. Okay, they're going to make a dollar three. That's the estimate this year, up about ten percent from last year, and then a dollar four next year. So it's kind of flattening the earnings. And it's an eighteen dollar stock, so obviously it's about an eighteen nineteen PE, eighteen PE, and the five year range is eight to twenty nine. So it's right, it's right in the middle of its range right now. Yeah. Do you own Take it? A look at the, Dan, Dan? I don't think a dividend. Uh, oh, I see. The dividend yield they show is 11.6 percent. Well, okay. Well, let's take a look at it. Uh, 11 percent of uh, 18 dollars. That's what it is. 18 dollars 64 cents stock is about oh, almost what two dollars a share, and they only make a dollar yeah, four. Been, Steve, but they're Steve, they've been paying two sixteen a share a year for a couple of years now. So I don't I don't see them. You know how they're. Yeah, it'd be hard for them, but they, but but then they do have the cash flow. Cash flow is four dollars and twenty-four cents. I'm going to yeah. have to take, you're going to have to take a look, deeper look at what's going on. But they have a huge cash flow, but yet earnings is not that strong. And I'm curious to what are they paying? It looks like they have a goodly amount of debt. They and then I'm going to look at, well, how much are they paying to lay fiber optic? Maybe that's one of the costs. See, these are the kind of things you have to really get into to determine Central Link's fundamentals, you know. I, I can't see him maintaining that dividend that high with the costs uh, and debt so high. So I, I, I'm kind of doubting that they'll be able to continue to do it that high. I really am. Dan, so... And the stock is not cheap, and it's not expensive. It's kind of in the middle. So uh, I, I'm, uh, I would be careful at this stage. I, I would, if I owned it, I don't necessarily would sell it, but I might have a good stop out if it starts to fall and gets very weak on me. Appreciate the call, Dan. Thank you. Okay, uh, Warren Buffett. I want to talk about Warren Buffett. I got. Three talking points. It looks like I'm not going to get to, but I can get to this one. Uh, and Warren Buffett invested $12 billion in quarter two of this year. Second quarter of this year, $12 billion he invested. Most of that went into Apple. His cash increased to $129 billion. That's the most cash he's ever had. In 2009, right after the, the very low of the market, he had about... Uh, 25 billion. That was a low mark, and that fell from 40 to 45 billion that he had before. And then he kept putting money in the market, put money in the market, put money in the market as the market fell and bottomed in 2009. He is building this cash hoard since 2014. 
Okay, so this not this this is you now going into the fourth year that all of a sudden the cash he doesn't and what he says is just it does not have enough good companies at a good price that he can invest this money into. Now what's very interesting at the same time last year merger and acquisition merger and acquisitions of companies hit 2.6 trillion dollars. That was just below the record set in 2007. Just below. Hmm. Can we take away? Remember the reset, the bear market happened in 2008. Anyways, that completes another Investop program driven again by your questions. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page at investop.com. It's free. And waiting there for any time, day or night, whenever you want to. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights. 